Let's take the Word of God. Would you take the Word of God with me and turn to Acts chapter 7. In Acts chapter 7, as we mentioned, this is um, the longest recorded message in the book of Acts, and the first message that resulted in a martyr. Stephen, uh, by the end of the chapter, we're going to see he's going to be driven out and stoned. And we've been looking at considering a few things about this message. I want us to read at this, at this time, uh, the beginning part, and then we'll uh, consider some truths throughout. So notice here, verse 1, Acts 7, Then said the high priest, Are these things so? Remember, the Jews had taken Stephen. They brought false witness against him, false accusations. They accused Stephen of speaking blasphemous words in chapter 6 against Moses, against God, against the temple, and against the law. Verse 2, and he said, Men, brethren, and fathers hearkened. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Sharan. And said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and come into the land which I shall show thee. Then came he out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Sharan. From thence, when his father was dead... He removed him into this land wherein ye now dwell, and he gave him none inheritance in it, no, not so much as to set his foot on, yet he promised that he would give it to him for a possession and to his seed after him when as yet he had no child. And God spake on this wise, that his seed should sojourn in a strange land, and that they should bring them into bondage, and entreat them evil four hundred years. Now verse 6, in Genesis 15, God spoke to Abraham and said that's what was going to happen. That would be the time span describing the life of Joseph and the descendants of the twelve tribes that came by Joseph into Egypt and abode there for four hundred years. Verse 7 And the nation to whom they shall be in bondage will I judge, said God, and after that shall they come forth and serve me in this place. That's Moses. The prophecy in Genesis 15 given to Abraham, which is what he quotes, is referring to the time of Joseph and the patriarchs and the twelve tribes that form in Egypt, were there for 400 years. And then the second part of the prophecy is referring back to Moses when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt to go to the promised land. Verse 8, And he gave him the covenant of circumcision, and so Abraham begat Isaac and circumcised him the eighth day, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat the twelve patriarchs. I'm going to stop there. Stephen here preaches this following message before the Sanhedrin. And at this time, we are reading this sermon that is recorded in Scripture, and we began with the beginning. And as we read, uh, we find really three prominent uh, names in this sermon. The first one is Abraham, as we just read from verse 2 down to verse 8. The second name that is prominent, that stands out, is the name of Joseph and Stephen is going to preach about Joseph from verse 9 down to verse 19. And the third, and perhaps the main character that he's going to speak of, is Moses from verse 20 all the way down to verse 44. And at the end, he's going to mention about 
Uh, it says Jesus here, but that's the equivalent to Joshua. David and Solomon are mentioned by name towards the end. Now, it is evident as we read this sermon that Stephen is clearly familiar with Old Testament Scripture. In this section on Abraham, he refers to God's prophecy concerning the descendants of Abraham. And that history, as I mentioned, is really divided, and Stephen does so. He divides the history of Israel into two main sections that was prophesied to Abraham. Why? Because Abraham did not see the fulfillment of the land given to him in his time. It was fulfilled, if you would, during the history of Moses. And so we see that history divided into two sections as laid out in this sermon. In verse 6, he says that God spake on this wise, that his seed should sojourn in a strange land, and that they should bring them into bondage and entreat them evil for hundred years. Now that's what Stephen says. Now let's find out if Stephen is accurate in what he says. Let's go back to Genesis 15. We have uh, concluded a, a number of months ago the book of Genesis, so we are familiar, I hope, with the book of Genesis by now. Uh, certainly there's more that we can learn, but we find here Stephen reminds us of the book of Genesis, particularly in chapter 15. And let's go down to verse 13, God is speaking to Abraham in verse 13 of Genesis 15. Notice what he says. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. I ask you, was Stephen accurate in what he said? Yes, he was. You see, God, during the time of Abraham, before Abraham had a child, God not only prophesied of a son and Isaac, but also the seed after him, but God prophesied, uh, or, or God gave this prophecy to Abraham concerning uh, the descendants of Abraham, and that history in Genesis 15-13 concerns the time span of the life of Joseph and the 12 tribes that, if you would, grew during their stay, during that 400-year period in Egypt. But then we also see, if you still have your place in Acts chapter 7, then Stephen goes on to talk about the second part of the history of Israel in verse 7. He says, And the nation to whom they shall be in bondage will I judge said God, and after that shall they come forth and serve me in this place. Again, let's go back to Genesis 15. Now let's look at verse 14. This is the second part of God's prophecy to Abram. Verse 14, And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great Sub, uh, uh, substance. And so again, Stephen quoted there from Genesis 15 back to the prophecy that God gave concerning the people of Abraham, the descendants of Abraham. So Stephen, as he's preaching this message, he begins with the great patriarch with whom the nation of Israel began, and that is their father Abraham. But yet he reminds them of this prophecy, by the way, that they themselves are familiar with. The history of Israel can be divided into two sections as in how the nation developed, right? Joseph saved, delivered the people 
because of the famine in the land of Canaan, brought all the tribes uh, or the, the, the brothers by which developed the 12 tribes of Israel uh, into Egypt, and they abode there for 400 years. And then there is a second part of that prophecy that concerns God raising up Moses and bringing the people out of Egyptian bondage. And so we see that the seed would sojourn in a land, Joseph, and the seed would be delivered from bondage in Moses. Now, although God had told this to Abraham, it is evident that the patriarchs who received those prophecies of God rebelled against those whom God had chosen to bring those things about. You remember that prophecy was that they would go into a land. Well, how did that happen? Through Joseph. How did they treat Joseph? They envied him. They rebelled against him. That's what the Bible says in Acts 7. And notice verse 9. And the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. And the second part of that is the deliverer Moses. Now Moses is also a man who was rejected of his people. Now notice if we read verse 17 of Acts chapter 7. But when the time of the promise drew nigh, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt till another king arose, which knew not Joseph. And so at this point, the the time span, if you would, of the era of Joseph and the descendants of Joseph ends, that first part of the promises ends. And now it comes in the second part of the promise uh, when there arises a king in Egypt that does not know Joseph after 400 years of being there. And then through Moses, the uh, children of Israel are going to be delivered out of Egyptian bondage. And now we find verse 19 and 20, we speak of Moses, the same dealt subtly with our, our kindred and evil entreated our father so that they cast out their young children to the end they might not live, in which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months. And so we have now this second part with an emphasis on Moses. And yet, as we look at this account on Moses, it is clear that, the, uh, that if you would, our fathers, as he speaks to the Sanhedrin council, their common heritage, our fathers envied Joseph. They reviled him. They hated him yet the more, as he says in Genesis chapter 37. And guess what? When that first part of the prophecy was complete, then there arose another leader, Moses, and guess what? This other leader who was to bring them, the children of Israel, out of Egypt was also rejected. Notice in Acts chapter 7, and uh, notice with me in verse 27. But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Remember, Moses had seen uh, an Egyptian mistreating one of his brethren, so he killed the Egyptians, buried him, and then the next day he goes out and he sees two of his brethren fighting and, and basically tells them to stop, and they say, Well, who, who made you a ruler? Who made you in charge of us? And so, we even read later in verse 35, this Moses, whom they refused, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge? The same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush. We go down to verse 38. 
This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake uh, to him in Mount Sinai. Now, who did, who did God speak to in Mount Sinai? Moses. That's who went up there. And with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us, to whom our fathers would not obey, but thrust him from them, and in their hearts turned back again into Egypt. Now, I want you to see here what Stephen is doing. Because we're getting here, drawing towards the conclusion, and what Stephen is doing here, he says, let's remember the history of our fathers, of our patriarchs of the nation of Israel. You familiar with Abraham? Well, Abraham prophesied about what would happen. And yet our fathers had that same prophecy, and yet they envied and they hated Joseph, who was to bring them and fulfill that prophecy. And then, when Moses was, was to come to deliver the people out of Egyptian bondage, we know that they also had that prophecy, and yet when God raised a deliverer, they refused him, they rejected him. Even after he had led them out, they would not obey. So Stephen says, our fathers rejected and they hated Joseph, the one who saved our patriarchs. Our fathers rejected Moses when he was raised of God to be the deliverer. But here Stephen now, he's going to change it. What is the root issue? What is the true problem? What was the problem with our patriarchs, with our fathers? Notice verse 40 of chapter 7. When they would not obey uh, Abraham, verse 40, saying unto Aaron, Make us gods to go before us. For as for, uh, the, for this Moses, which brought us out of the land of Egypt, we would not what is become of him. And they made a calf in those days, and offered sacrifice unto the idol, and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. What is he saying? Our fathers rejected God. Isn't that what they did? God brought them out by a great and mighty deliverance. And yet they're now uh, God is speaking to Moses and they, they can't wait for Moses. And so they say, we want a, a God that we can see. And then they, uh, they uh, put forth, if you would, a golden calf. And they said, here is the God that has delivered us from Egyptian bondage. And uh, they committed blasphemy. But what they were saying is that they rejected God. You see, the, re the reason why they rejected Joseph and the reason why they rejected Moses is because they have a propensity to reject God. There is a pattern of rejection repeatedly seen throughout Israel history. Read through the book of Joshua. Read through the book of Judges. Read through 1st, 2nd, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles. You see a repeated pattern of the children of Israel rebelling against God. And so this is not anything new that Stephen is saying. They all know this. They all know that their fathers had rejected God's deliverers and had rebelled against God. Yet Stephen connects the rejection of Joseph, the rejection of Moses, the rejection of God, to the rejection of Jesus Christ. Notice in the middle of the life of Moses and how God used Moses to bring the people out of Egyptian bondage. Notice in verse 37... What Stephen says, he says, This is that Moses, which spake unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall, your, uh, shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. 
Him shall ye hear. Who is that talking about? Well, let's go back to Stephen. Stephen preached the same thing in Acts chapter 3. Let's turn there a few pages over. In Acts chapter 3, uh, notice with me verse 13. Uh, they heal the man who was lame. Uh, in Acts chapter 3, a bunch of people come around and they're amazed at what is happening. Stephen preaches in verse 13. He says, the God of Abraham. That's interesting. He, he begins where Stephen also began as well. And he says, and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren... I would that through ignorance he did it, as did also your rulers. But those things which God before hath showed by the mouth of all of his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Notice verse 19. Repent ye therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heavens must receive until the time of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all of his holy prophets since the world began. Here it is, verse 22. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me, him shall ye hear in all, th in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. So that's exactly what Stephen says. He quoted what Moses said. Peter quoted what Moses said. Is that a valid quote? Yes, it is. We're going to see that in just a moment. Are we aware that that's also what Jesus said? In John chapter 5, verse 45, Jesus speaks and he says, Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth me, even Moses, in whom ye trust. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if ye believe not his writings, how then can ye believe my words? What was Jesus referring to? Let's go back to the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 18. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, uh, Moses is, speaks here, and uh, notice with me, Deuteronomy 18, chapter 18, and go down to verse 15. Moses wrote this, and he says, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. Is that what Stephen and Peter said? That's what Stephen and Peter said. They quoted what Moses said. Now, let's keep reading. Who told that to Moses? Verse 16, According to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more that I die not. And the Lord said unto me, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And so Moses said, uh, God is going to raise up a prophet from the midst of thee like unto me. And he says, but I'm going to tell you where I got that from. God told me that. And so guess what? Peter, when he preaches, he says, uh, you, you know Moses, you know what he wrote. Well, who did he write about? He wrote about the Lord Jesus Christ, the just one, the holy one, whom he refused. 
Stephen, he's preaching before the Sanhedrin. He said the same thing Moses wrote of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here, uh, Stephen, what he is doing in Acts chapter 7, he is showing them as he's preaching, You've reje- our fathers rejected Joseph. We have the same history. Our fathers rejected Moses. Ultimately, our fathers rejected God. And today, they've rejected Jesus Christ. And the reason why they reject Jesus Christ today is because they've always rejected Moses. They rejected Joseph. They rejected God. It's all a connection. In other words, Stephen says it's not anything new. It's the same pattern of behavior. It's interesting as he goes through that history, what is he showing? We could study every verse, but the truth, the purpose is not for us to do that this time, but it's to show what is he showing through this sermon? What is he trying to convince them of? That their propensity to rebel against God has always been true, and it is still true to that day. And by the way, it is still true to this day. Man's propensity is to rebel against God. By the way, it's also the propensity of Christians. I know we can throw the world out there, but isn't that true in your life? The songwriter said, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Paul wrote of that when he says, when I would to good, I found that evil is present with me. You see, he goes on and shows them the pattern of behavior and he says, this is our part of our history. This is what our fathers had do- have done But then in verse 51, notice what he says. He turns to them now. He says, this is our history. This is the pattern of behavior. They've rebelled and they've rejected God. And then he turns to them in verse 51. He says, ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. Notice, as your fathers did, so do ye. Notice here, it's interesting, throughout the sermon he said, speaking of, to the Sanhedrin and himself said, our fathers, our fathers, our fathers. And now all of a sudden he says, ye, your fathers. Why? Because Stephen himself has not rejected Jesus Christ. He cannot be included in this group because he has not resisted the Holy, the Holy Ghost. He has submitted to the Holy Ghost to the conviction of the Spirit of God. And he has been born again by the Spirit of God. And he turns to them, he says, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Question comes, verse 52. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? Is there any really record of any prophet of God in the Bible that was not at some point rejected, reviled, and hated by God's people? No. Oh, was there a remnant that accepted that message? Certainly there was, but the majority rebelled. That's always the case. They know that answer. They know uh, that uh, the, the prophets that you read about of the Old Testament, the fathers persecuted them. And they have slain them, which showed before of the coming of the just one. By the way, those who prophesied... Uh, and Stephen says this. This is what he says. He says, Is it so hard for you to believe that you're persecuted and you killed Jesus Christ because those who prophesied about Him were also persecuted? Those who prophesied about Christ themselves were persecuted, rejected. And now that Christ has come, you have persecuted and rejected Him. He says, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers. And then he says, finally, in verse 53, you remember what the accusation was? Moses, he's blaspheming against the law. That's what they accused him of. 
he just preached a message, wonderful message that really pertains to the books of the law. And he says, who have received the law by the disposition of angels, you've been given a position of privilege and have not kept it. You see, here is Stephen making a personal application in this message to the Sanhedrin Council. He basically says, verse 51, you have resisted the Holy Ghost, just like your fathers did. Number two, you have rejected Jesus Christ, just like the prophets who prophesied of Christ were persecuted and rejected. And thirdly, ultimately, you have rebelled, you have rebelled against God and His law. Where are the prophecies of Jesus Christ found? In the book. Moses wrote about it. You see, the trouble with the world is the refusal to accept the plain declaration of this book. The rejection of this book is rebellion against God. When God speaks and says it is so, and God's intent uh, for, uh, for certain things to be done, when He spoke to King Saul, and He says, Go and smite all the Amalekites. And He said, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. What a fool to think. As He heard the word of God, that He had done exactly what God had said, that's where these people were. They were living in this world. They thought that they were living by the law of God. They thought that they were keeping the law of God. But Stephen shows them, you've rebelled against the law of God, just like your fathers did. What did the prophet Samuel tell uh, Saul? He says, for, re uh, for um, uh, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. God does not want the sacrifice. God wants your obedience. You see... What is the trouble with the world today is that the world has rebelled against God and His law. And by the way, for the Christian, let's make a personal application here. What is often the trouble with Christians? It is that we've rebelled against God and His law, His book. We open the book, we hear maybe the preacher say something that we don't like. Could I encourage you not to measure what I say, to measure what God says? I'm just the mouthpiece. I have no authority within myself. But we, we measure the Word of God and find that if we've rebelled against God, we've rebelled against Him. Often we try to find scapegoats for our rebellion. You see, that's the root of the issue. Because they rejected God and His law, you resist the Holy Spirit of God. When you refuse to hear... And the Spirit of God moves and tries to uh, convict the world. As Jesus Christ said, the Spirit of God is going to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment that can only be ha happening as the Word of God is declared and preached and proclaimed. And then when that happens, because they rebel against God's Word, they resist the Holy Ghost. They, they don't want any part of it. They're convicted. They recognize their sinfulness. They recognize the rebellion, but they refuse to submit. They resist the Holy Ghost. And guess what? When they resist the Holy Ghost, they rejected the just one. You see what Stephen did? Remember 
Are these things so, Stephen? Are you speaking blasphemous things against the temple, against God, against the law, against Moses? Are you doing that, Stephen? And Stephen preaches this whole sermon and says, no, you're doing that. You are speaking blasphemous words against the law, against Moses, against God, and against the temple. You are the one that is blaspheming. These men who are listening to that, these were the men who were teaching the people, instructing the people. How do you think that went over? Those who had been given position of spiritual authority now are being taught, reproved, that they are the rebellious ones, that they are indeed resisting the Spirit of God, that they have rejected the just one that was prophesied by the prophets. And so, we know this message was preached to the Sanhedrin Council, but we must make a personal application in our own lives. The world, a lost man will be saved when he hears the Word of God, when he submits to the conviction of the Spirit of God in his life, and by doing so accepts the Lord Jesus Christ, that man is born again the Spirit of God. He is a new creature, all things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. But those who do not do that are described as a stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, resisting the Holy Ghost, as it is always the pattern of human behavior. Now we know that that's true in the world. What I'm really interested in today is, is that true in our lives? Now, any part, any part of that. Rebelling against God and His Word? Maybe not completely, but in some measure. Resisting the Spirit of God as He speaks to us? Surely we all know times when God spoke to us and we refused Or said, no, no, not, not right now, later. May the Lord help us. All of this history certainly is about, as we talked about last week, is all about revealing the God of glory, the greatness of God. But also part of this message is to reveal the pattern of human behavior and the sinful nature of man and his propensity to turn from God. Have you ever thought, the children of Israel, remember, what brought them out of Egypt? Ten plagues. Miracles from God. Amazing! The children were brought out of the land, and they come to the Red Sea, and they're, they're stuck. The Egyptians are behind them, and, and God puts a wall of fire between them and the Egyptians. To give them enough time as the Red Sea parts and they're, they're walking on dry ground through the Red Sea. They see the deliverance of God and they, they build up, a, if you would, a, in their own way, a monument to remind themselves of God's deliverance and God's power. And then they go through the wilderness wandering and they begin to complain and to moan and to desire to go back to Egypt, to Egypt because of what they had there, and God gives them water. He 
by a miracle, gives them manna, he gives them quail, and God, miracle after miracle after miracle, does those things. And yet those same people who saw those things, that generation that did not enter into the promised land, that same people hewn together a golden calf and said, these are the gods that have brought us out. How can that be? How is that possible? I'll tell you how that is. Because of the heart of man. The sinful tendency in the nature of man is to turn against God. I know that's my tendency. Have you admitted that that's yours? If you're not a born-again Christian, have you admitted that that is your trouble? And us as Christians who are born again of the Spirit of God, God is still actively trying to work in our lives. Are we at any moment, at any time, working as a bulwark against God? God forbid that we would do that as His people. And so may the Lord help us to consider this great sermon and to make personal application in our own lives.